Every year on the second Sunday of Easter, we read this gospel account of St. John. And of course, it's Jesus appearing to his disciples, appearing to the apostles. And what is the first thing that he says to them? I think this is so important. Peace be with you. When he shows him his hands, he shows him the side. Once again, he says, peace be with you. He does with this Thomas as well, Thomas doubting Thomas appears to him the next week and the other apostles once again, peace be with you. This is what Christ wants to give. He wants to give us peace, love, grace. He wants to put us at ease and help us to see what, that we truly are his children. Of course, we could think of the apostles as in the upper room. They're, they're fearful. We hear about this. They're, they're fearful for many different reasons, but one of the fear maybe inside of them as well is saying, what is Jesus going to say to us? We who abandoned him, who turned away from him in his hour of need, except for John, the other ones denying him, running away, not being at the foot of the cross. And what does he say? Peace be with you. Maybe we ourselves experience that trepidation, sometimes that fear of what is God going to say to us when we've turned away from him. Maybe that keeps us away from church sometimes. Maybe it keeps us away from confession sometimes. Can God truly forgive me? Does he truly want to give me peace? And we know the answer to that is yes, he does. We, we know it in our head. We've been told that over and over again that he, he loves us. And yet it can be hard to believe sometimes. And yet this is what God wants to give. And he wants to say it to each and every one of us, peace be with you wants to give us what we're longing for, which is him. And he gives himself freely over to us. We're able to receive this mercy over and over and over again. But it's only in him, it is only in God that we are going to find fulfillment and that we are going to find peace. I want to share a story with you today, kind of a modern-day Mary Magdalene. I heard about this person uh, last year on our, our staff retreat uh, given by, by Liz uh, Kelly. Uh, she wrote a book about modern, not saints, but uh, loving like the saints, loving like the saints, and it's a story, I believe, of six women who we try to model. And she shared a story of someone who was very famous back in the turn of the 20th century. So I want to share this story with you, but I want you to listen to it in a way of someone who sometimes doubted that they truly could be loved by God. And so this story, by the way, is of a, of a lady who was probably the most famous actress in France in the 1900s. Her name was, or her baptism name, it was Eugene Marie Pascaline Fangelot. I'm going to butcher the names, by the way, because they're French, and I don't know how to speak uh, French. But eventually she actually changed her name because she didn't want to have her family name associated with her anymore. 
but Eugene was born on April 1st, 1866. It was Easter Sunday that she was born. But she was born into a very dysfunctional family. Her father was a raging alcoholic who took out his anger on his wife, on his oldest son, so Eugene's older brother, and Eugene herself. Eugene said the only time that she ever had peace as a child was when she received her first communion. She experienced peace in a way that she never experienced before. But as she came back home, even that day, once again, her father was there to torment the family. Eugene would actually try to escape to her neighbor's house often. And her neighbor would try to keep her entertained. And so they'd work on uh, reenacting plays. And Eugene became a great actress. Even as a young girl, she had great talent. But she kept on going home, of course, because that's what you do. You're try trying to obey your parents. She had great love for her parents, even though, because like I said, her dad had major issues. One day, Eugene came home and saw her mom laying on the floor, blood coming out of her. And all of a sudden, Eugene looked up and saw her dad, who had turned a gun towards her. He shot, he missed. Eugene and her brother fled. They ran away as fast as possible. Eugene's father turned the gun on himself and passed away. Eugene's brother, by the way, ran away, and Eugene never saw him again. He just never came back. Her mother passed away two months later. You can imagine the torment that Eugene was feeling. And so she took it out at everyone who she met. Eventually, she went to go stay with relatives, and they couldn't take her anymore. She was too difficult to deal with. She was sent to an orphanage, and even there, they said, we can't take you anymore. You're too difficult. So she ended up on the streets of Paris, and she became a hat maker. She was okay at it, but she knew she was longing for something else. And she saw a poster of this famous actress, and she said, I wanna be like her. So for the next 10 years, she dedicated her life trying to become the best actress possible. She took singing lessons, she worked on her beauty, she did all of these things, and she kind of had some small roles, but nothing huge. She'd be like, a, I don't know, an extra in Hollywood of today, trying to make it in Paris in the theater. And one day she finally got her big break. She was cast in a role with that famous actress who she wanted to be like, and she stole the show, so much so that people said, this Eugene, but now, by the way, she had changed her name because she didn't want to be associated with her family name anymore, so she took a stage name, Eve Lavavare which means beauty. Eve of Avare is truly a gem, is what the papers said. And all of a sudden, her fame started to skyrocket. Directors were fighting over her. Kings wanted to see her and welcome her into the palace. She was by far the biggest actress, the best one in France. Modern day, she'd be taking over Hollywood today. This is what all the girls want to be like today. And Eve was loving it. She loved it. She thought, finally, I'm doing what I'm called to do. But inside of her, she was still longing for something else. But the praises kept on coming upon her. 
And all of a sudden, she, she got involved in this, this new lifestyle, a lifestyle of parties, a lifestyle of drugs, a lifestyle of treating men the same way that they had treated her. And all of a sudden, torment started coming upon her again. She had it all, and yet she had nothing at all. World War I came across the country, of course, the, year, the continent of Europe. And Eugene started doing charity shows to try to raise funds for those fighting in the war, thinking maybe this will help out, maybe I have purpose here. In 1917, she had actually signed a contract to go to the United States for five years to tour across the United States. She was going to make it big time across the world. But after one of her charity shows in 1917, as the crowd was applauding her amazing performance, she left the stage, she went to a bridge, and she was about to jump off. But something stopped her. and She wasn't sure what it was. She realized, though, that she needed to take a break. If she didn't, she knew exactly what was going to happen. And so her and her assistant decided to go to the French countryside. And they knew of someone that had a cottage out there that they could, they knew someone that knew someone that could rent something. I'm not making this up, almost like a modern day Airbnb is what she rented for three months in the French countryside. Her first day there, she said, was absolutely beautiful. She simply sat on a bucket and watched a farmer milk a cow. And she said, finally, a little bit of rest. The next day, in the afternoon, the caretaker came to see her, to visit with her, and to make sure that everything was going all right. Little did she know that the owner of the cottage that she was staying at was the parish priest. And so the parish priest introduced himself, showed her around the property a little more, and then asked her a very pointed question. By the way, Mademoiselle, I did not see you at Mass this morning. It was a Sunday, by the way. Lavaret was startled. It was a long time since anyone had challenged her so directly. Do you know who I am? And she even said that. To her. Do you not know who I am? The Vavare of the varieties? I can't go to Mass. Do you know what I've done? But she said, Still, if you have no objection. And so the priest looked at her and said, Objection? Why should I object? The church is open to everyone. Anyways, I should continue to expect you. Eve of Avare smiled, and no more was said. But the following Sunday, she was at Mass, kneeling in the midst of the peasant folk of the French countryside. The priest preached that week, and weeks following, of great penitence, beginning with Mary Magdalene, and continuing the series each succeeding Sunday. One day, Eve of Avare, who was now on very friendly terms with the priest, ventured to say, Father, there is one thing you forgot to put in your sermon. I said, quite possibly, what could that be? And she said, my name at the end. Because it was certainly for my special benefit 
that you were preaching. Eve came to realize, by the way, as well, that her assistant had never received her first communion. And so the next couple weeks, her and her assistant would go and receive classes from the priest. During the classes of the priest, Eve told the father that she had dealt with the occult. And the priest simply said, leave that behind. Come into God's grace. And so Eve, after much prayer and reading more about Mary Magdalene, by the way, came back into the church. She went to confession and she received Holy Communion once again for the first time on June 19, 1917. And for the rest of Eve's life, she counted her age from that day of coming back into the church on June 19, 1917. When her stay at the French countryside was coming to an end, Father Chagnier expected her to return to the theater, but she corrected him. Now that I know what it is to live, I can't possibly go back to that existence. Now what I know it is to live, I can't possibly go back to that existence. And she meant it. She canceled her future engagements and gave up her fine clothes and makeup. Eventually, she gave away her lavish belongings that she had left in Paris. Rumors began to circulate, by the way. You could imagine if this happened now. What happened to Beyonce is what they would be saying. This is who she was. This is how famous she was. And so rumors began to circulate. Had she ruined her looks and some beauty treatment gone wrong? Was all this a publicity stunt? One rumor even suggested that she become a spy and was in German prison. The magazines, the newspapers were swirling. What happened to Eve Lavavare? But Eve was far from a prisoner, by the way. In fact, she was probably free for the first time in her life. When a friend visited her, Eve was eager to reply, when people mention me to you, make it quite clear to them, all those who know me, that you have seen the, ha- you have seen the happiest, indeed, the most perfectly happy of women. She had everything that the world had to offer. But she didn't have God. She didn't have peace. And when she finally had peace, she realized she had everything. She had God, and he had her. Eve had this written on her tombstone. I have left all for God. He alone is sufficient for me. My brothers and sisters, God comes to give us what? He comes to give us peace. It's only in him that we're going to find it. How beautiful he is. How his mercy is overwhelming. He has no objection to us coming to him. Never be afraid to go to God because this is what he's going to say to you. Peace be with you.